Hey everyone, in this episode of The B-Sides, I'm joined by the two co-founders of Prequel, a no-code data transformation company based in New York City. As you'll hear throughout the next 30 minutes, Gabi and Leah are building Prequel with a unique co-CEO dynamic. And in this really fun conversation, we explore the structure and nature of their executive and personal relationship, the ups and downs of shared responsibilities, and how they hope other founding teams and investors will learn to embrace similarly atypical leadership dynamics in the future. Let's jump right in. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the B-Sides. This is Ariel Sturman of Bessemer Venture Partners. I'm really excited to be joined by Gabby Steele and Leah Weiss of Prequel, a new Bessemer portfolio company just announced your seed round. And congratulations on that. And uh, you announced it this week while you've been in Israel. So how is that? <laughs> yeah. So Gabby has spent a lot of time in Israel and has family here, and this is her home. For me, it's sort of, you know, I'm getting to know it and getting to know the community here. And I have to say, like, the warmth with which we were received here in Tel Aviv has been absolutely amazing. And it's great to meet you in person for the first time. So fun. Yeah. It's a, sort of a half-COVID investment because we got yeah, to meet exactly. Gabby in person and only had interactions with you on and Zoom, I, I think. I was just on Zoom all day, yeah. Uh, but and Gabby made the rounds for me. Now you're 3D. Exactly. And it's, it's amazing how the world has made this all possible and how, you know, you can just walk into a city like Tel Aviv and it's just as alive and rich with all of the startup stuff as almost San Francisco at this time. So it felt right to do it here at this moment. Awesome. Well, welcome. It's good to have you in person. Now we get to record this podcast, which is also really fun. I was just talking actually this morning with somebody. I mentioned the name of your company, Prequel. And I was being serious that it's one of the best names I've heard, but it's the kind of name where if you come up with it, you have to build a company. It's exactly. like... That was what we That's thought. That's actually the origin You story. just told yeah. our story. Yes. Really? <laughs> the moment we decided... We were sitting on, it was on Zoom actually. I was in Toronto visiting family and Leah was in New York and we were like, okay, it's time to, for, to come up with a name. And we were brainstorming in one of those kind of like mural board type ways and writing all these things down. And then finally, we had b- been working on our deck for a while. We, like the idea was like pretty clear. fully conceived, but we didn't have a name. So it always felt a bit abstract and just not quite as tangible. And we just started throwing things out. And when we hit on prequel, I was like, oh, no. Oh, my God. We got to raise money. We have no, to build a company. Leo was yeah. like, uh-oh. <laughs> There's no turning <laughs> yeah, back yeah, now. Yeah. That, so that was the moment. You, you nailed it. Amazing. And beforehand, which actually leads me kind of a bit of the conversation, you both had been working together as co-founders, as co-CEOs of a prior business, a, a more of a services, project-based business called Data Culture, um, which maybe, I mean, maybe this, you could introduce yourselves and, and talk a little bit about Data Culture and what led you there and then... You can yeah. get into it. So Gabby and I met while working at WeWork, actually, which, how many years ago is that now? Like five or so? Yeah, five, six years yeah. ago, we've been working together since our lives changed. I was a, an early employee at WeWork, built many versions of the early data team and data infrastructure. And uh, at the time that I was, uh, uh, I wanted to build a data product organization at WeWork because I had built a lot of dashboards and BI stuff and executive reporting. And I was running around, you know, giving numbers to executives, I wanted to do more product work. And I started searching for the best data visualization talent I could find. And that very quickly led me to Gabby. And that was sort of the beginning. I had the data engineering experience. She had the front end data visualization, storytelling, communicating with data experience. And that was sort of the basis of our partnership. Yeah, so I joined WeWork after Leah had kind of sourced me. I was working for the Washington Post doing data visualization storytelling work. It was like 2016 election time. I have a master's in data visualization and had been deep in the design side of things, the front end side of things. But the moment we spoke in our initial phone screen interview, I think it was like number two, 
we really connected um, on our shared backgrounds, having learned to code on the job and having come from humanities and multidisciplinary spaces. So I, I don't think you could consider our, our work together at WeWork the first company that we started, but that was where our partnership developed and that was where we really learned to be able to leverage each other's skill sets to build things bigger than ourselves. And, and we I developed, think yeah. From the moment we met, we sort of had this co-founder relationship mm-hmm. without really knowing exactly what that was. And by the way, it's sort of like hard to maintain that in a oh, corporate yeah. <laughs> environment where there's a hierarchy. But we even then, we approached everything as partners and we built a whole community sort of around our shared beliefs and, and our, our partnerships and what we could do together. So we sort of had to start a company because that's what we had invested in. Yeah, I feel like that idea of like there was no choice for a lot of the things that have happened to us. We knew while we were working at WeWork that we would need to start something post WeWork. We didn't know the story was going to go the way that it did. But I think we just feel really grateful for the fact that we were able to kind of get escorted out um, in such a way where we had such a rich network that could then fuel the foundation for data culture, which was the next business we built. And we decided at that time not to go the venture back direction because we cared deeply about building something substantial and having seen how we work can fall apart um, with this sort of house of cards situation, um, we wanted to start selling things and be be a profitable business, which is when... Doing something that was really fully ours. Because uh, when yeah. you're that emotionally invested in something where you don't necessarily have ultimate control over its success, I think we believed in each other and we knew that whatever we wanted to build, it was going to be you and me. And I still think data culture to this day is the, is the a reflection the of our pure version yeah. of what we were able to build. Yeah, and, and that business was started truly in a coffee shop outside of a Chase bank where we had gone in and said, okay, we need to open a bank account to start getting paid for this. We had a few kind of gigs and they were like, you need, I think $1,500 to open a bank account. And I was like, okay, I'll Venmo you 15, like (laughs) split it. And we opened the account. Um, And within a few weeks we had a couple clients and we just started, we went back to engineering because we had been leading teams at WeWork. So we weren't coding so much. I I mean, it's an incredible thing. You guys know each other just for six years. I mean, the relationship you have is incredibly close and both professional, but also quite personal. I mean, you're here for for Gabby's wedding, among among other things. I gave a great speech. You gave an excellent speech at my wedding, Leah, and and referenced (laughs) the amount of speaking that we've done together. So it was a little bit strange that Leah was speaking to me and not with me yeah. because many a speeches we have given um, standing side by side. And the way that you do that, I think it's easier to wing a speech or wing a lecture when you're on your own, but being so in sync with another person to deliver a message is something that we've really honed over the years. Um, And it does take time. And though it's been only six years, it feels like so much longer because so much of the past six years has been spent with one another. I think from the second we met, we were like, okay, we have this incredible connection. We have this incredible energy. People respond to us in a way that totally. we're not even in control of, or we're learning to be more in control of it, but it just sort of happened. And one of our early conversations was like, okay, we have this. We met each other. Thank God. What do we do with it? And I can't really imagine a, a better use of this than these two businesses and, together. And so then when you went to start Data Culture, you yeah. started, I guess, doing projects for external clients. Mm-hmm. And then you decide to found this business and you took quite an interesting route, you know, leave the bootstrapping and building a real business on the side, but to tackle it as co-founders and co-CEOs. Yeah. And yeah. that, was that a conversation you guys had initially? Was that sort of obvious? 
No, so one thing about the co-founding relationship, and it's one thing, we've been talking about it since before we founded Data Culture. When we started that business, we talked deeply about the impact and the power it is to have this partnership with someone in a professional setting where you're spending almost more time with the person than you are with a partner in a personal way because you're there day and night. You're um, talking. It's probably more than almost. It's I mean, probably, definitely. <laughs> me and Leah talk. A hundred percent of the time, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and that's part of the personal side of things that was discussed. So good, your iPhone, the most frequently contacted. 100%. And Definitely. When we're not... Just the speaking. number of words we've exchanged is at least a lifetime's worth. Exactly. So <laughs> it felt fine, yeah. But it was still important to have the conversation about, okay, do we want to do this as co-CEOs? Do we want to have like some sort of rotation? Do we want one of us to focus on another thing? But we had spent so much time developing this shared partnership. And though people do mistake us for one another at times, and we do look similarly in a lot of ways, we're, we're very different and bringing that to the table in our fullest way as partners rather than, you know, one person focused on one side and another was always so well received. Uh, we didn't want to disrupt that and we did talk about it extensively. I think it was always clear between the two of us that this is a partnership, even in settings where it didn't really make sense for it to be a partnership. This has truly been a partnership. Mm -hmm. I think we were nervous as we made the transition from a services business to a venture backed mm -hmm. business that it's a bit unconventional. We would get pushback. Everyone actually in the early days advised us against it. Yeah. And that you can't raise as co-CEOs, no one's. And we were sort of prepared for that and had a bunch of conversations about how we would respond to it. But it actually turned out to be just an Best. incredible litmus test for the types of people we wanted to work with. If, if people could understand that we have this partnership, we have a way of working together. You know, we're two women in the space that have been able to do amazing things in part because of this relationship and this support system. Everyone who got that immediately didn't even comment on it, just except, and the people who gave us a really hard time, it's it, maybe you don't understand what we're what trying we're to building. do here. Yeah. Right. Maybe you're not the right partners for us. And it is difficult when you're raising money to know everybody it's like in an interview process everybody's putting their best face on everybody wants to be that person so it was quite clear to us who the right partners would be through that yeah and i mean i could say from our perspective like it, it is rare for us to invest in co-ceos i mean it's just sort of it is traditionally atypical yet when we look at seed stage investing we're investing in the team and more importantly the dynamics of the team and if you can have a really strong dynamic and be co-CEOs like that that's the way it works like like yeah. you're saying like that's just how we work that's how we partner together and that's that's kind of our approach and so if it works for certain VCs fantastic yeah. when it doesn't for the others okay great like just because no one else has done it before or even if just it's been a few people have done it before doesn't mean that you guys won't be successful in doing it and maybe it can be a model exactly. for others because I think there's a lot here that I'm, I mean we help each other through this process. It's a big job. And I, I think you would only want to do it with me and I would only want to do it with you. No question. And I think, well, there's a statistic, right? That like a hundred or whatever, 50% of businesses, the main reason that they fail is that co-founder relations fall apart, right? So to have something that is so, so strong and that can be a model for others, as Leah's mentioning, it is no small task to take on the CEO role and to take it on for so many years to sign on that line, but to sign with her, um, it's a no-brainer. You had the advantage, it seems like, of building a serious foundation of trust yeah. before kind of building a business together. You always felt like co-founders, even at WeWork, but you had this trust foundation that you yeah. could build on top of. Yeah, 
part of the, my, my wedding speeches, we've been sort of uh, engaging in a series of escalating sort of contracts with each other. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. She's referencing, yeah. you know, now I have this other life partner and only the two of them can, can really understand what it's like to sign There's legal documentation. Legal, financial, emotional commitments we've made to each other. But actually, Ariel, I was going to ask you, you met Gabby in person, which I know is, you know, an amazing experience. You only meet a person like Gabby, uh, well, never really. Um, but you met me on Zoom, and I know the partnership is a lot of the dynamic that you were sort of drawn to at, at Bessemer, but I'm just curious how sort of how you experienced yeah. it. The, first of all, I love that you're asking back a question because <laughs> yeah. that makes this so much more fun. I think for us, when you first come out and say, oh, these are co-CEOs, we do have like, a, oh, okay, how, how do they handle it? How are they going to split responsibilities? How are you? And actually, one of the questions I'm going to ask back afterwards is like, so push comes to shove, who kind of owns what areas of responsibilities? But it's just a matter of getting comfortable with the dynamic between you two. And the fact that, you know, Gabby was able to come to Israel and spend time with us, yet we were still able to have conversations with you on Zoom, also separately too, which I felt was super important, right? And not just like, oh, Gabby's in person, let's spend time with her. It's, let's also have one-on-one -on -one time with you and make sure that we understand your perspective, that the story is consistent. COVID, in a sense, has enabled more comfort with sort of that uh, disconnection in terms of just the physical presence. But I think you guys were consistent in, in your story and consistent in your storytelling and sort of the, the, the synchronicity that you have with each other, that's probably the wrong word, that you have with one another, like it shows even through Zoom and even through separate conversations. And I think that that's really important. And, and, and it's rare, frankly, and it's what we're looking for in teams. So Yeah, and it's, it's, I think our, it's absolutely our strongest asset that we are able to really understand one another and then bring that to the teams that we build and with data culture, at the beginning it was just Leah and I, but that was quite a short period. Before long, we hired people, and by the time we left, it was a team of fifteen. And we've since brought on a CEO, and we're now board members of that business. And and it continues to be this reflection of the strength of two people that really, really care about one another and the things that they build while bringing different things to the table. So, yeah, yeah. I, I will say that I think one of the communication challenges that we have, not with each other, but more broadly, is we really understand each other. Yeah. There's a lot of unspoken stuff here. Uh, you, you know, even to the point where yeah. I'll make jokes that I know only Leo will understand yeah. publicly and it can get it a little funny. But, me off but I think the, the, there's a certain level of consistency that we could speak with one of you and understand that you guys were both aligned in this matter, oh which, is, which is awesome. Then that begs me the next question, which is sort of when you do have disagreements, how do you settle them? Uh, but how did we settle our disagreement on the walk over here, Gabby? Yeah, that was, I was telling Ariel. Well, there was a hug that took place afterwards. You, you always have to hug. You got a hug, which is hard to do on Zoom. I think what was amazing about during the fundraise period, we ran a very like quick raise, three weeks really of conversations. But um, despite being very far away, I was in Tel Aviv and Leah was in New York. She woke up every morning to a couple minute voice note of me saying, okay, this is what I've done since you woke up. Here's what you need to do next. And the communication there was just like ongoing, so strong. I think we spoke more than we ever have because I was sleeping so late and we were <laughs> awake. So constant talking. Um, but there's, there's also moments where you do just need to like clear the air. I was saying that 
we like to run together in Prospect Park and kind of yell things out like, you did this. Why did you do that? And then I'm by the end. I'm not a fighter by nature. It's, I'm not, that's just not how I resolve conflict. Gabby sort of taught me how to argue. And I mm-hmm. actually think it's an amazing skill. It taps into sort of like a different side. And, we, and then we sort of sound like, you know, an, an old Jewish married couple right. or something. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but You've right. created this structure for fighting, for, for exactly. arguing, for, for, arguing for disagreement. And ta- yeah. for con- Talking things out. My parents are both child psychologists. So oh, when I, I truly, yeah. My a psychologist and you're actually giving me a lot of hope for my kids they'll be wonderful you, see, you came out fantastically thank you <laughs> so. thank you you can tell my parents i know that yeah my mother appreciates I did, I your, did yeah, my mother really appreciated your comments at the wedding but when i met leah I, my, one of my first questions was like you're not a psychologist and you're, are your parents also in this space because she really had a way with speaking and she said uh, what did you say, Leah? You said, no, I'm not a psychologist. I'm just Jewish. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. A certain sensitivity. And a way of sort of talking about people. We, I think something that we connect over is uh, the debrief. The and debrief. sort of the never-ending debrief. Which actually, I think, play, it's really part of why this co-CEO relationship is so important. We have a witness to most Everything. interactions that we have, including the fundraise, including internal right. meetings. And uh, to not have to step back and sort of process that internally and try to understand what happened, what did they understand, what did I say, we have each other. And that's sort of why we have to talk 24-7. There's so much to debrief. And, and when you talked about kind of like handing off a voice note, I mean, it's not just a debrief, but it's also like a handoff. Yeah. So yeah. Like, and you trust each other to, to take the ball and continue the conversation forward yeah. while you're sleeping or while yeah, you're waking I mean, up. Or I would say, you know, closed best summer by the time I wake that's up. That's what she would say, yeah. You know, the next day she's she having sushi with you. <laughs> I was like, it's yeah. done. Yeah. <laughs> I've had sushi, lunch with everyone, and things are good. No, but um, I, do, I do think, like, in terms of advice for others, it's the immediate resolution. Don't let things linger. Like, the immediate debrief. Leah and I spend so much time not just in meetings, but in the debrief post meetings saying, you know, you did that and I wish you hadn't, or that's not how we should frame things in our partnership and then making those adjustments. And you don't always succeed and you don't always make the adjustments right away, but we are constantly tweaking, improving, pushing one another. And then you sort of wake up in years from now say, oh, wow, like our partnership is so much stronger than it was. Which I appreciate you receiving. I'm I'm a hypercritical person by nature. I just have Correct. really high expectations for us and for everyone we work with. And I see problems miles away. That's just sort of how I perceive the world. And Gabby is just an optimist who only sees opportunity and the, the best in everything. Uh, so we've we found a balance. I think you need those two sides to do it. And it, it almost seems like if one of you was CEO and one of you was CTO or CPO, there would be the sort of this imbalance of like okay well either the the more uh, pragmatic person is the one who's leading the show or the more optimistic person is the one leading the show and I need to then sort of be fall into that yeah relationship that's exactly right I think that the the biggest loss for having one of us not be a co-partner co-official CEO would be the business and the shape of that culture and the shape of the product that we were able to build because it would lack the, the strengths that we each bring, that's not to say, and to answer your question more directly, that we have not written out many times over, these are your responsibilities, these are my responsibilities. So let's talk about that yeah. For, yeah. for a second. So you have kind of explicitly divided up certain aspects of the responsibilities. Yeah, I mean, joining our company also, we know 
When we decided to build data culture, one of the reasons was we wanted to build a place where people really loved their work. Uh, some of that came from what we had learned about the best things about WeWork, but we wanted to build an environment where the work was clear, people could succeed. And one of those things means knowing you know, who your manager is and who, the, who their you know, biggest advocate is. So when people join, it's very clear whose team they should kind of sit on. And even though we're both very involved, there's a lot of lines that we do draw. Um, yeah, I, th I think a conversation we've had over and over again, and I actually think it's really important to revisit it. It's not that because, Gabby, you excel at one thing today, that's your job forever, yeah. whether you like it or not, and that means I don't get to learn it in the way that you know it. I think it's a, a constant conversation to make sure that our responsibilities are in line with what we want to do. And I think we've always framed the conversation, it's like, what am I best at you know what are my strengths that I really bring to the table that are unique what are yours and how does that fall in line with ownership and what are the things that I want to get better at that mm -hmm. maybe you are capable of leading but it's a it's I, I want to take some of that on actively because we also don't want to sort of outsource the best parts of each other to each other we want to learn from each other um, so I think that's something that we've revisited and it, I think there has been tension around that at certain points where it's like maybe you're a natural person to lead this but I actually want to take some of that on yeah absolutely like th I, that's a really good point to make where our partnership has made us stronger engineers stronger communicators stronger leaders because we've been able to give each other space to learn and grow from the other and not just say okay you know like Leah's been a data engineer for longer let her just do all of that work and I will step aside it was really important to me that I not only could continue to develop and hone those skills and vice versa, I get really excited about design and brand and marketing and the front end of this product. Leah is equally excited about these things, though in Figma she feels less comfortable. Um, yeah. I love everything you guys are saying, but specifically, Leah, what you just said about those list of responsibilities can also evolve over time. And Correct. so it's they like you to. might right now own the back end engineering team and you might own the front end team, but at some point, that may and should shift over time. Absolutely. And I think that's also what we learned about working for organizations because people, employees, were constantly thinking about what it feels like to be a different member of this team and are they getting the best experience? And so often you're stuck in a role for years and years and then you end up leaving. Like talent and all of that is a really big, it's also something I like to think about. Um, yeah. But yeah, and sometimes feel like, uh, I think uh, as an employee, sometimes you can feel like you're you're too good at something, and mm -hmm. the, the, that makes you, like, therefore you're stuck with it, because you mm -hmm. no one sees you in a different way, so that's something we want to give to each other, and also to everyone that works with us, um, that you can go beyond sort of your natural I mean, system. I would love to work for you guys right now. I mean, <laughs> the way, the, the culture you're Ariel, describing you that you've created. Welcome. Come on over, yeah. Join the, the light side again. What I am kind of thinking to myself after a lot of this conversation is that being co-CEO actually isn't for everybody though, right? Because yeah. it sounds like you've had the opportunity to build a real relationship as an outside investor looking at a, a new team. If there's two folks and it's clear that one should be the CEO, one should be the CTO, maybe there's just different skill sets and they both want to be co-CEO, you kind of start getting this question like, is there a power grab here? Is the yeah. relationship really solid and firm? And I mean, would you recommend it for everybody or for very specific types? Or is it, do you, do you hope to pioneer a new model that you think should be the case with all co-founders? I think our relationship is unique and this is the best model for our relationship. So I think it requires some honesty about what co-CEOs is sort of mapped to how we work together, not the reverse. So if that's not how you actually partner with each other and you know you have a division that's more conventional, I think you have to respect that. But I do think that partnerships generally are a really powerful model. And I think if more people approach work 
in this partnership model as opposed to sort of like you know single leader that there's a lot of potential there because the, we're, there are things that two people can do together that one person simply cannot but I'm curious how you would answer that you know I I, f- I really really stand by that I, I want to go a little bit further on this like we do want to break the mold with this business because so frequently when we were told by VCs you know oh you're you know 99% of the time it's one CEO it's like yeah, and his name is David, and we already are not him, so can you just... And, and even then, like, this is really just the beginning of this new wave of change that we're hoping to to bring more light to when it comes to founding companies. So not to say that co-CEOs should be the model, because no one should have just one model, no model fits for all, but the idea that you can share that huge amount of responsibility in order to spend the time, as Leah's saying, like, building partnerships and being able to kind of share the burden burdens and the benefits of the ups and downs of running a a massive company, I think works really well. And we've put in the time and we've put in the hours so that for us, it's the best situation. That's not to say that down the line, we may want to say one of us, you know, I'm not going to be CEO for the next year. Can you take it on? And vice versa. So we've seen that many times over with other companies as well. I think what we're trying to do is kind of teach VCs in some way that that keeping things just all in one pattern in one way is actually closing the door to so much creativity, innovation, opportunity, and revenue and, and money at the end of the day. And I would also add, I, I don't want to turn this into too much of a gendered discussion because that's the way that it can go when you're yeah. two women in this business. But I do think that... There is something particular about the power we give each other, especially, and can it can be disarming. We walk into a lot of rooms mm-hmm. where we're the only women, and the confidence that we have, in part because we're both there and we believe in each other and we understand each other, I think is really powerful. So, it, you know, whoever is out there thinking about this, if you can find a person that gives you that, it's a huge asset uh, to be able to, to have the what you give me and what I give you in a room that's difficult, I think it's hard to quantify, right? And that also, absolutely. And it comes through also in the debrief because you just witnessed what that person said to me. You thought it was crazy too. I'm not crazy. Like that really happened. And then you can move on. You don't need to address every single thing. I think people are more defensive when they don't really know how to take back their power and control, but we're able to give it to one another. Again, like the biggest asset and what we've given each other with work is we no longer feel like work is this burden or chore. It is like, it's part of our lives. hang out. Yeah. yeah. Like, Sometimes I feel like we've, we've been on this entrepreneurial journey for so long just to sort of have an make excuse space to hang out. for <laughs> yeah. our relationship in a way. Yeah. And it's the same thing as, you know, we found the name prequel. We had to start the company. We met one another. We had to keep working together because once I started working with Leah, I was like, I can't go back to old life, right. old work. There's no way, you know, and if you really do love your work, this is something my mother has said to me many times. You don't have to work ever. You don't work a day in your life. And It's actually probably yeah. worth mentioning the, the model that you grew up with with your parents working together in their partnership. My parents oh, work together. They write books together. And Leah's not the psychologist and pointing out... <laughs> like I said, she's yeah. definitely Let's go back gone. to your childhood to understand yeah. this I'm entire very, story. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, growing up in a house where my parents were not just constantly talking about work, but enjoying it in every aspect of what they did, writing books together, talking constantly. Which we will do. We will. We will right, yeah. so this is the preface to that. Yeah. The, the debrief. The sequel. The ongoing debrief, I think it just, it's kind of like the slow burn. It just like allows for so much more space to get to the next level. Um, so I had been searching for that partnership and kind of accepted that in my life 
you know, personal partnership way, it might not be possible, but we found that in one another. And I think it's been, it's the greatest gift that anyone could give. And, and it really does require work, but the rewards are infinite. I am. We can talk about my parents. I'm, I'm sure they'll be listening. No, I was going to talk about, we actually have looked for help in different moments. Yeah. We've had serious conflicts that required you know, I, I won't say mediation. But Arbitration, yeah, like yeah. external. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And we don't shy away from that. I mean, I'll tell the story first of, of therapy. I think now's a good moment because we really do value that as well. We want everyone who works for our organizations to know that mental health is as important to us as physical health. And you can't work without that as well. Totally on board. So when I started working at WeWork, Leah would leave at four o'clock every Thursday to go to therapy. And she was very open about it. It was on her calendar. And I was not yet in personal therapy. And she, as my manager at the time, as this relationship began, in fact, um, really said, like, encouraged it. So I then started scheduling therapy at the exact same time. Um, and we would and make we would jokes. walk together. We'd to walk together from therapy. Union Square to our therapy. And we'd meet afterwards and then continue the debrief. So that was, like, the foundation of the mental health portion. And then during COVID, things got complicated because we obviously could not be in the same place. And there were some limits to all of that. Um, and after time, we, we, did, we decided let's seek help from a business sort of executive coach, but also someone with psychoanalytic background. Um, and we did work with someone for over a year to kind of get everything off our chest and get support there. As a, as a partnership. As a partnership. That's amazing. Yeah. This was someone who specializes in co-founder relationships. And, you know, I think it's good to know that there are some conflicts that you can't solve. Like we talk to each other constantly and there are some things that were cannot be solved in that back and forth, and you need support. I think that's so important, and obviously on a personal level, I totally relate to that as well, and myself and my wife, and my wife's a therapist, and sort of like, she can't be my therapist, yeah. I need to have my own, and then when we need work together, like some, some things need outside attention and outside involvement. I think that's like so honest and authentic, and sort of this, the foundation for such a healthy, not just partnership and relationship that for you both, but for the entire company that yeah. you're going to be building. And now we know that that's something we can go back to, that there will be conflicts that we cannot solve between the two of us, but we know that that, that doesn't mean it's unsolvable. Everything is workable when you have support, and there's no reason to shy away from seeking that support. And it's definitely made us so much stronger for it, and I think that's about the work that you put in, and we want everyone to know that it's okay to ask for help, to seek help, to get support, and that our company will provide it as well. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've loved this conversation. I think so much of it is unique in a certain sense to both of you and the relationship that you brought to the table as you build this business. But as you both said before, the traditional model doesn't need to be the way for every company. And it doesn't need to be co-CEOs. It doesn't need to be defined by certain terms. But the CEO, CTO, co-founding relationship doesn't necessarily need to be the, the only way. And yeah. in, in any given partnership, any given founding team, figure out what works best for you. You have the advantage of coming to it with years of a prior relationship um, versus, you know, two people who meet at a speed dating event and like become co-founders. You might need more structure, more, more limitations in a certain sense. Definitely. And I know that that is like a common way that people connect. And we've met a lot of folks that have been connected through that. It's not to say that model doesn't work either. There are just more ways and more patterns. And we just encourage a little bit more open-mindedness because, that's been a big part of what's brought us to where we are today and what we hope to accomplish in the future. Amazing. Well, I'll ask you both one last question is sort of what's your personal B-side? Like what would you be doing if you weren't tech entrepreneurs? I love this question. Fantastic. 
So I, Gabby probably won't be surprised by this answer, but I love the arts. I studied I have history and German and creative writing, and I love the theater, and I love the creative side of things, which is, is really why I think I have to be an entrepreneur. Um, I'm not really good at executing tasks, but I, I would love to spend some time. We say our next career after this, we're going to write our stories and try to, to tell them in a more creative way. Yeah, coming to HBO near you, we yeah. need to share some more of our perspectives. The, the We Crash documentaries, docuseries was strong, but we have our own story. Our, it needs to be told. We're both creative, so I, I do agree. Like I, I resonate with that idea. I would be running an art gallery or creating community. These are things that I care deeply about, and it's nice to say what we wouldn't be doing, but it's, it's really what we plan to do next, I think, because this is really a lifelong partnership, and we hope to go beyond... and also invest in people invest in new models and new relationships maybe a vc that only invests in co-ceos or <laughs> non-traditional uh, yeah. models send your pitches our way no, yeah just please it's do. Too early. It's too early. Our, we might not send respond to, right send now. them to gabby and leah they'll forward it gabby to and yeah. Leah. <laughs> yeah we actually do need to create a handle gabby yeah. and leah at prequel.com yeah. i would watch that tv show well i'm so grateful both that you were able to join us for the podcast but even more importantly that um you're able to bring myself and Bessemer along for the ride with you. I mean, what a special relationship to become a part of. And we're not going to try to like introduce ourselves in between it because there's something so incredible there. But the fact that you're allowing us to come in from the outside and, and be a part of the journey is so exciting for, for myself and for us. So, you know, we're really excited that, um, that you're working with us and that we get to work with you. We're so grateful that we couldn't imagine a, a better group of people to be on this journey just on a personal level. So thank you. Thank you so much, Ariel. Yeah, this is an incredible team and we're lucky every day to be working with you all as well. Wonderful. All right. Thanks everyone for listening to The B-Sides, the podcast exploring the many tactical and strategic decisions taken by founders and operators at every step of the startup journey. Be sure to subscribe wherever you might be listening. And if you want to share any feedback, you can find me on Twitter at Ariel Sturman. Have a wonderful day.